today and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Thank you. Thank you, Christian. Have a seat. Great to see you all. I want to tell you a little story uh, this morning uh, about a man by the name of Sam Phillips. Anyone heard of Sam Phillips? Jamie and Nathan and Anthony, yes, they've heard of him. Uh, we're, we were in Memphis, Tennessee a couple of weeks ago, and uh, amazing, uh, an amazing hub of music in the US, and uh, the home of uh, Elvis Presley. If you want to go and uh, check out the pink Cadillac, that's where you've got to go. And uh, anyway, a, a guy by the name of Sam Phillips started a studio, a recording studio in Memphis called Sun Studios. And uh, people would come, and, uh, and he was a radio announcer as well, and people would come and, and record their track there and, uh, and then hope to make it big, hope he liked them. And uh, one day, a, uh, a young scallywag by the name of Elvis Presley came in, and uh, Sam wasn't there that day. So the, the, the manager of the place... Um, it was a lady who, who was kind of receptionist, manager, pretty well did everything. And uh, like Rachel around here, makes me look better than I am. And uh, anyway, Elvis comes in, records this song, and she loves it, loves this song. And it's this ballady, beautiful Elvisy sort of song. And uh, so she plays it for Sam, and Sam says, that is a terrible song. I will never record this man. Now imagine saying that about Elvis Presley. Anyway... The story goes on and um, there was a band that was short of a lead singer one day and, and um, she begged Sam to allow Elvis to come in and fill the gap and, and sing for this song. And Elvis is singing, he's hating every minute of it. Anyway, he, walked, he gets called out of the place, he walks out and uh, then they just start jamming and Elvis starts getting on his, getting in his blues groove and, and uh, just when they're mucking around and Sam walks back in while he's doing this and he goes, whatever you were doing before, never sing like that again, sing like that. And he records him, and, uh, and, uh, and that was the beginning of the, the career of, the, of, obviously, the great Elvis Presley. And um, you know, Sam Phillips and Sun Studio went up and down with, with um, you know, he got sued, lost a heap of money because someone did an illegal sort of semi-cover of another song. And, and uh, eventually, he sells the rights to Elvis's work for $30,000. And uh, imagine selling the, you know, the production of Elvis for $30,000, um, looking back now. But, uh, but he needed the money, he did it anyway. So he set, he, off Elvis goes and starts, starts working for someone else, Stax Records or someone. And he pops back into the studio one day and there's this young guy, just a young fella got by the name of Jerry Lee Lewis and he just happens to be singing, like going in there to have a crack and record his, his first um, song that day. And he pops in, Jerry Lee Lewis is there, Sam Perkins, Johnny Cash rock in, there's a photo of them. And, uh, you know, you get four great musos together, what are they going to do? They're going to jam, aren't they? They're going to have a, have a little session. And, uh, and, and Sam Phillips, the... Uh, the great, you know, recording artist that he is just happens to press record while they're doing it. And he's compl- it's completely illegal. He's not allowed to record Elvis. He doesn't have the rights to record Elvis. So here's these four guys, Sam, uh, Sam Perkins, Johnny Cash, and uh, Elvis Presley, and this young scallywag upstart, Jerry Lee Lewis, who we didn't know at the time. He was just thinking, you know, 
he was just thanking his lucky stars that day, wasn't he, that he got to sing with these three legends. Anyway, they sing this song. They, they sang for about 10 minutes, and, and um, Sam Phillips records this stuff. But he can't play it. He can't sell it. He can't do anything with it. And he sits on this recording of these four guys for 40 years. And it's only in the last decade that it's released. And I've got a little bit. You want to hear just a little bit of it? That'll do, boys. How good? How good is that? And so, you know, some 50 or 60 years later, these four, uh, four guys from Noosa just happened to rock up and uh, go, to, go to this studio. And Sam, at another point, Sam Phillips started another studio called Sam Phillips Recording. Anyway, so we pop into this place, and it's run by Judd Phillips, who's, um, who's uh, Sam's nephew. And anyway, they were so welcoming and, and brought us in and we got, to, we got to meet this engineer named Matt. And uh, he, was, he was a gun. He'd recorded some great people who are um, from the 90s and the 2000s, so I don't know any of their names because music ended for me in 1989. So anyway, he, he was very clear with us that we knew nothing about anything. And if, if we would just admit that we knew nothing, it would have been a start. And he was, he, it was great to see, to hear him. And, and uh, he, he said one thing I thought that was quite significant to us. And he said, because we're talking about our studio and how, how amazing it is. And he says, listen, guys, just whatever you do, do not build a recording studio because you want to make money. He says, build a recording studio because you absolutely love music. And, uh, and I was, you know, it, it, and it, you know, you're hearing and you go, that's obvious. But, I, but how much of our life... Do we build relationships, build things because we want money or we want something, not because we love something? Hey. And I think this is, you know, things like, you know, like, like finances and that are a great tool for life, but they're not a great dream for life. Are they? They, it's, you know, and I think even, even our relationship with God, we can get caught trying to get what God has for us instead of trying to build a relationship with God. And I, I want to encourage you this morning that, that um, God wants to get to know you and uh, he, wants, he, wants to, he wants to hang out with you and do life with you and go on grand adventures with you. And on the way, guess what? He's the healer, the deliverer, the saviour. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he's got all the cool stuff at the same time. But let's try to keep our focus on the fact that doing life and having an adventure with God is so significant, isn't it? It's the it's the it's the core of it's the core of what of, of what God wants us to do. But this morning, in light of this, let's look at uh, the story of Joshua and Caleb and the other ten spies. 
I'll buy someone lunch if they can just yell out the name of one of the other 10 spies. Anyone know one of them? Exactly. It's good because I didn't bring my wallet either. So we're going we're to look at Numbers chapter 13 and 14. I'll give you a quick context refresher. Israel's their slaves. They've, they've been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. God goes and bumps into to, um, to Moses and says, Hey, Moses, why don't you go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go? And uh, so he goes and sees Pharaoh, and we know the story. And eventually they get out. God parts the Red Sea, and they run out, and all the Egyptian army and Pharaoh get killed. The waters come back together, and then they wander around the wilderness. And eventually they land on the edge of the promised land on the other side, on the other side of the wilderness. And Moses says, okay, you 12 guys, one from each tribe, why don't you go and, have a, and scout out the land and have a look at what's over there and come back and bring us a report? And uh, so, so we pick it up in, in, uh, in, Roman, in, in Romans, in Numbers 13, verse about 25, 26. So they went up and they spied out the land for 40 days and they brought back some fruit, including one cluster of grapes that they had to hang on a, on a rod and carry between two people. That's how big the grapes were that, that they were bringing back. This. And verse 26 of chapter 13 says, They came back to Moses and Aaron and all of Israel and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very, and very large. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea in the bank, on, along the banks of the Jordan. And then Caleb comes in and says, boys, he quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. So you've got 10 people saying one thing and then one guy says, hey, let's go and do it now. Let's, do, let's go and get it, man. This, the, the, the grapes are good. The pomegranates are even better. Then 31 says this, but the men who had gone up with, with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying the land is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who saw it, whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight. Verse, chapter 14, verse 1. So the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept all night. And all of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation and said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? that our wives and our children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to each other, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Verse 6, But Joshua and Caleb spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. 
Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Wow. So the children of Israel cheered, and they raised them up and said, Take us into the land. Is that what they said? No. And all the congregation said, let's stone them with stones. Isn't it, isn't it interesting that we love heroes because heroes take big risks and some of them make it. You become a hero when you take a big risk and you succeed. You know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times we don't succeed. So that, that's a, there's a reason that not everyone's a hero because if it was easy, everyone would do it. And then there would no longer be heroes. But there's guys like Caleb and Joshua who say, let's go and do it. The Lord is with us. I mean, what an amazing statement that they said. You know, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us. If the Lord delights in us. So the question is not, the question is not a question of whether God is able. The question is a question of God, does God delight in his people? Does God delight in you? And I want to remind you this morning that he absolutely delights in you. He loves you beyond your understanding, beyond your capacity to receive love. He loves you beyond that. He knows everything about you. He knows the things that that are deep inside your heart. He knows the brokenness. He knows the dreams. He knows the visions that you are too scared to share with everyone. And you know why he knows? Because he placed them in your heart. He's stirring, he's been stirring you your whole life to live a life of adventure and greatness with him. He's stirred you your whole life to say, there's something missing and then you do not know what it is until you find relationship with him. He delights in you and guess what? He also has the capacity to defeat giants and take land and, and create a grand adventure that, that no scale that you ever dreamed of can compete with. What's interesting is none of the spies were in any doubt that it was the promised land. They all realized it was grape. Ten of the other guys, they helped, they helped carry the grapes back and the pomegranates back and, the, and, and they saw the milk and the honey. They all, they all agreed that it was a great land. It was a promised land. It was an amazing space. There was no, no one in disagreement that it was a hard win too. There was something to overcome. There was fortified cities. There was giants. There was hill country that was, that was um, occupied. There was, you know, there was many different things to overcome. So no one was in any, any disagreement about um, that it was a great space, that it was the place that God called them to, and no one was any, in any disagreement that there was something that needed to be overcome to access it. Isn't it interesting when we look at our lives and our community and our nation, you know, we see the potential you know what's interesting in life is we go through, the, our society and, and economies go through recessions and depressions and booms and flat times and, 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 then, and then it goes through these things. But in the meantime, while our economies are going like this, the natural resources across the world stay exactly the same. So there's the same amount of food, there's the same amount of minerals, there's the same amount of people as there is when there's boom, as there is when there's bust. So it's, it's not necessarily the access to resource that changes, it's the, it's the delivery and the acquisitions that change. And God's saying, hey, 
I have given you everything that pertains to life. Why are you living according to the economies of man when you could be living according to the provision and the adventure of God? You see, your life, you're living your life and it has its ups and downs, doesn't it? You go through some, you go through some highs, you go through some deep lows, you go through some, you go, your emotions get challenged, your, your health gets challenged, your finances get challenged, and then you have some great days where you're strong and healthy and you, you win the race and you, you get the girl and you, and you build the house and you're driving the great car and the, you know, the, you're helping someone out and you're lifting something, you have those great times. And then, but they ebb and they flow, don't they? And God's saying, are you going to base your decisions on the ebb and flow of life or you're going to base your decisions on the fact that I delight in you and I'm the all-powerful king of all kings who can do anything, who can go anywhere, who can die, who can rise from the dead, who can be in heaven, put himself in human form and come to earth and release the gospels. Who are you going to put your faith in? Are you going to put your trust in how you feel when you woke up this morning or are you going to put your trust in the king of all kings who delights so deeply in you and wants to grab you and pull you out of your funk and set you on a journey of adventure of greatness? That's the God I want to serve. We've got plenty of things to overcome, haven't we? You know, you, I, look at, I look at our nation and I go, man, there's some potential in this space. There is some potential in our nation. The people, you know, we, we, we've got such a great bunch of people. We've got such a great infrastructure. We've got such a great, uh, a great attitude towards life. You know, but there's some things to overcome, isn't there? Everywhere we look, we've got, we got challenges with debt and offence and depression and, and addiction and greed and anxiety and sickness. And, and, and all these challenges are there for, for us to overcome. And when we look at all those challenges... You know, we go, wow, how can we attack that? When I look at those challenges, when you look at the sons of Anak, you know, what, what does it make you look like? It makes you feel like a grasshopper before them. When we look at the challenges of our society, when we look at the moral decline, when we look at the, when we look at the, the, the poverty and the, and, the, and the mental illness and the deep, the deep challenges that we see everywhere, it can make us feel small. And it's quite interesting that, that um, you know, that same God that parted the waters of the Red Sea, destroyed the whole army of Egypt, including Pharaoh, could not help them overcome the armies in the Promised Land. The greatest army in the world at that point was the Egyptian army. Yet, and God destroyed the whole army and the Pharaoh in one fell swoop. Yet these people experienced that. They were there. They saw it with their own eyes. They saw it with their own eyes, but they didn't have the faith to believe that God could deliver them of the, of the people in the promised land. Why could Caleb and Joshua see different to the others? God says this about Caleb in Numbers 14, 24. He says, because Caleb, my servant, has what? A different spirit. And follows me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land, and his descendants will what will inherit it. So you see, the ten spies compared themselves to the giants. Caleb and Joshua compared the giants to God. You see, when you look at the challenge in front of you, when you look at the obstacle in front of you, who are you comparing the obstacle to? Are you comparing the obstacle to your capacity or to God's capacity? Every time I compare the challenge in front of me to my capacity, uh, I, 
I, I resort to fear. Every time I compare the challenge, the obstacle in front of me to God's capacity, I get closer to God because I go, hey, you and me, we're on, let's do it together. Fear is too common, isn't it, in our everyday life? I think that fear, you know, there's a great scripture that we love quoting in church life about we are not, uh, we, God didn't create us with a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. You know, we, we love quoting those scriptures, but I think, I think that there, there is a, God wants to redeem us out of our fear. Because we weren't created with a spirit of fear, but somehow we let one attach itself to us. And we need to release ourselves from the spirit of fear and get, into, get in business with God and get, in the, get, it, get our confidence attached to his capacity and not our capacity. Because my capacity is whether you like me or not. If I get up and preach every Sunday hoping that somebody just will just love me and cheer at one point through the message, somebody please acknowledge my existence instead of being in silence the whole day. Would Dwayne Potter please stop sleeping? And would, would you know, somebody, if, if, we, if we do those things, we miss out on God's capacity. Because you cannot walk in your capacity and God's capacity at the same time. You need to give up one to access the other. That's why we shared last week about prayer and fasting. God says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, you're, too, you're not close enough to me and you're too close to the world. When we get close to the world, we cannot access the greatness of God. When we get close to God, we're distanced from the world. We cannot do both at the same time. We are the most insured and regulated nation on the planet. Did you realize that? There are, more people insured, there are more people insured in Australia per capita than any nation on earth and we are the most regulated nation on earth. It, democratic nation. Couldn't get access to the um, dictator figures for some reason. You know, and, and that in itself is a revolving circle of fear. You know, when you go and hire the car... You go, to, you go to hire the car and, then, and you, you, get, you lock it all in. You spend as much as you can to get the nicest, coolest car you can get. And then when you get there, they go, oh, do you want to upgrade and get the um, waiver, you know, get the waiver option? You know what I mean? It's another for $68 a day, you know, and all of a sudden your $30 car costs you $90 because, because they've thrown fear. I go, what happens if I scratch the car? Well, even if you scratch it, you have to pay $5,000 and we'll have a look at it. And blah, blah, blah. So they hit you with fear. And then you walk away poor if you, you know, if you go for the, if you go for the deal. We see in politics, fear is is a stronger tactic than good policy. You know, I don't know. When I look at the, the political campaigns, what do we see? We see more, you know, more negative, more negative ads than we do people saying, "This is what we stand for. These are the values that we stand for." So we end up knowing who we hate. More. What it's about? Who do I hate less at this election? Okay, well we'll choose that. We'll choose that guy. Fear binds us to what? It binds us to the familiar. The biggest battle with you and I is that we get caught in comfort. We get caught in the familiar because the familiar feels safe. Guess what? The familiar is not safe. There is only one safe place on this planet, and it's inside the will of God. 
You can feel safe, but eventually, eventually the, the things, you know, challenges come to you. Things come to you, and God's saying, where, do you, what, where are you going to position yourself? You know, you might feel afraid in the moment, but I have an authority and a power and a substance that is going to carry you into a space that you can't even believe. The whole of Israel saw the fruit, but they, did, but they listened to fear. One bunch of grapes that takes two men to carry. What was different about Caleb's spirit? His spirit was already in the promised land. He was already there. You see, when you stand on the promises of God, you transcend the situation that you're in at that moment. Some of you are in situations that you need to transcend. And the way that you can do it, I want to encourage you this morning, is anchor yourself to the promises of God. Hebrews 10, 23 says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises is faithful. Sam Phillips. He created a studio, and then here we are, sitting with this, this young upstart engineer in this studio named Matt. I don't even know his last name. And he challenges us. He says, do not build a studio because you want money. Build a studio because you love music. I want to encourage you this morning that our job is not to survive. Our job is not to get through. Our job is to live an adventure with God. Our job is to break ground, to take land, to kill the enemy. Our job is to eat the biggest grapes you've ever seen in your life. But to access those grapes, you've got to stand face to face or face to navel with a giant and say, God, the battle is yours. But someone needs to stand. See, God doesn't need your, he doesn't need your skill. He doesn't need your muscles. He doesn't need your sword ability. He needs you to stand. He says, is there, what is it saying in Isaiah? It says, Jesus, he looked around and he saw no intercessor. He saw no one standing. So he had to come in his own, by himself and take care of the things. He is asking us right now, will we stand with him? Will we stand? And the amazing thing is that when we stand with God, all of those things that we're afraid of get consumed by his power and his authority. I want to challenge you this morning. Will you stand with me? But will you actually stand with me? Because it's the end of the service. You know, our spirit is shaped by what we worship. And what you worship is not the songs you sing on Sunday. You worship whatever you lift highest in your life. What are you lifting highest in your life right now? You know, there's an old European shoe company. And uh, there was a Greek and an Italian in it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side the story on the Italian side. Sorry, John. And, they, and they, the shoe company sent them to Africa to see what the opportunities were like over there. And one sends back a telegram, I think it was the Greek guy. And he said, situation hopeless. Stop. Nobody's wearing shoes. The Italian, the triumphant Italian writes back and he says, glorious business opportunities. Stop. They have no shoes. Here's the question, everyone. 
What perspective are you declaring over your own life? What perspective are you declaring about the future to those who are in your world? Are you, are you declaring a perspective that says, let us go and take the land the Lord delights in us? Or are you declaring something else? You see, our opportunity in the future begins with our perspective about how great God is. Not about how big the giant is, how big the problem is, how immoral the society is, how deep the financial pit is. You know, it's, it's, that's, that's, if, you know it's, it's about not even looking at those things and saying, how big is God? How good is God? What's God's capacity? How much cattle does he own? And how many hills was there again? Oh, a thousand hills. Oh, he is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the one telling me to go into all nations and make disciples of them. He is the one saying, baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's saying, my spirit is upon you to be witnesses of me to all of the earth. He is the one who's giving you new eyes to see. He is the one who's saying, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. He's saying, what are you going to hear? Are you going to hear the clatter of the sounds of the brokenness of your situation? Or are you going to hear the authority and the power of the substance of the kingdom of God? When you see someone who's walking in a challenge, are you going to say, oh man, that's terrible. Or are you going to say to them, Come and let me introduce you to the king of all kings so that you can walk in freedom. I wish you had what I've got because no matter what I walk through, no matter the challenges that I face, I get to walk tall. I get to stand with head held high. Why? Because the king of all kings has created me as a temple of his Holy Spirit. You know, before, the, before church this morning, we got to hear from, from uh, Vicky, Shane and... Uh, she shared an, an amazing, um, amazing little inspirational talk. And at the end, she challenged us. You know, I love that verse that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And sometimes, you know, your testimony is not enough, is it? Sometimes you need to tap into someone else's testimony to give you courage to go where you need to go. So if you're struggling to walk, walk like Enoch. If you're struggling to believe... Read a little bit of Abraham. If you're struggling to dress well, have a look at Joseph. Struggling to stretch, have a bit of a read of Moses. If, you, if, you, if your shout is gone, read Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. If you're dancing and it's really bad, you know, do it at home. Strip down and dance naked before the Lord, just like David. If you're going to fight, Fight like Gideon. You might be the smallest God, but God is telling you, you are a mighty person of valor today. Come on. If you're going to build something, build it like Nehemiah, sword in one hand, hammer in the other hand, glorifying God, killing the enemy and building a wall all at the same time. If you need some help, if you're just struggling to live, live like Jesus. How good is God? He wants you to overcome. He's given you everything you need to overcome. He's, he's, he's taken care of death and Hades. He's gone down. He's dealt with it. He's, he's said it is finished. The challenges are finished. The, the, the challenges of eternity are finished. The opportunities of humanity are just beginning. If we accept his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his power, his authority, and guess what? His adventure, not your adventure. 
lay down your will, take up his will and have the greatest time of life and have a story to tell and have a testimony that someone's going to say, oh, if you want to have fun, have fun like Christian. Did you see that little kid up there? When Jody, you see the kid with the big smile? I'm thinking, man, that kid's hung around Christian McFarlane, definitely. He's got the smile that can change a room. How good is God? Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we just lift up your name. We thank you that you have given us all things that pertain to life and godliness and liberty and hope. Lord, we want to walk in your strength. We want to glorify your name, Father. We don't want to be anchored to the battles that are before us, Father. We want to stand with you. So this morning, for each and every person in your house, Lord, I ask that you grab them, Lord. You lift them up. You stir them, Lord, in this place. Stir up seeds of righteousness. Lord, stir up those embers. May seeds turn into oaks. May embers turn into flames. May you be glorified. And may we be a people who cannot be ignored because the grace of God flows in us and through us and out of every part of our lives, Lord. We lift your name. We glorify your name. Our hope is in you, Lord. Our trust is in you, Lord. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We say, not our will be done, Lord. Your will be done. We thank you for your holiness and your purity, Lord. And we go. We go for your glory. We go for your name and for your kingdom, Lord. And we stand with you in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's sing.